Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falconstein for Falcon Screen, and we are joined by freelance writer and critic Virat Nehru. Hello, people. And Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Somewhat sick at the moment. <laughs> we have been planning this episode for quite some time. We're going to have a bit of fun. We've this booted moment. up the TARDIS. We've booted up the TARDIS because this is not 2018. We are not coming to you from the year 2018. Where, when are we? This is May 2008. Okay, for a while I've been trying to get these guys to continue the segment that we were doing when we started this show, Best Bad Movie, with my suggestion of let's do Speed Racer. But I couldn't motivate these guys to sit down and actually watch the movie, so the lengths we had to go to <laughs> to get them to watch this film, I had to make them go back in time to so it was the only choice at the, at the multiplex. And so long as we have gone back in time, we are going to review Speed Racer, which is in cinemas as of this week, but we were also reviewing... Two That's other- right, May, May 9th it was released, actually. May 9th. In this year of two thousand and eight, right. So we are we are bang on, but yeah. we are also we may as well just review other big films that came out we, at the we, time. Yeah, we got a preview of a big big movie coming out in a couple of weeks. Oh yeah, Indian. Iron... Oh no no, Iron Man. Yeah, Iron Man. That's the number one movie at the moment, Glenn. Oh, so this <laughs> is the number one movie. So, sorry, <laughs> it was released on May second, <laughs> but coming in two weeks is Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, the long-awaited sequel. Yeah, 20 years after The Last Crusade. I know, right? Can't you imagine there are two superhero movies going head-to-head? The indie kind of brand. I, I think people are about to get sick of superhero movies. No, to be honest. no, this is exciting. <laughs> Iron no, no, Man, no. Uh, Incredible Hulk. Like, I don't think this. Do more I don't these. think this thing's going to work out. I think people are just going to are going to get sick of it. The I, market will be saturated with Marvel movies. You, you think it's going to be a fad? I, mean, I think no, it's going to be just, a fad. Marvel's not, not going to take off. It's not just Marvel though. DC is jumping on the bandwagon as well. The Dark Knight is coming out in July. That's really exciting. Oh, yeah, no. uh, but Batman Begins, apart from the ninja training sequence, was pretty boring. So I don't see that much potential in this. <laughs> well, I know. There are a lot of movies we are going to be looking forward to coming into the year. Wall-E, the new Pixar film, is coming out soon. Coming off their best movie, Ratatouille, last year. I'm pretty excited for, Look, for Wall-E. I, I don't know what's the hate about Ratatouille. I st- still think it's one of the best animated movies ever. I would agree with that. I know. People just don't like Ratatouille. They just you know like other things that are coming out, which I don't know about yet. Well, uh, speaking of which, um, Taken, the Liam Neeson film. Yeah, I think that's going to make much more money than it costs to produce. And I think Liam Neeson might just have a future as an action star. Really? But like, is it just the same template? How many times can you take someone from Liam Neeson's family before people realize that, hey God, let's stop Well, let's worry people. about that when we get <laughs> we'll to it. We'll worry about that when we get to it. Uh, as we will, Mamma Mia, we're just coming out soon. Quantum of Solace and Slumdog Millionaire at the end of the year, the new Danny Boyle film. Uh, I'm, I'm not so sure about whether Danny Boyle can capture the Indianness of that thing, but might be something. It's got that element of, the, you know, what about the, tragedy porn? The we, only superhero movie that matters, Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, <laughs> coming very soon. <laughs> oh, God. That's um, going to take the world by storm. It's probably, probably going to be terrible. They're going to have to wait 10 years before they can make another one. I'm, that's the sort of thing I'm seeing. I know, but like, it's, it's amazing. I'll, I'll just say that it was better than a movie that he might direct in 10 years that wins Best Picture. Oh, my God. I oh. predict that if Del Toro were to somehow <laughs> gain the career momentum to create a Best Picture winner in 10 years, you that this that new Hellboy happen? movie... Yeah, I know. I think it could happen. That, that they would give look, Del Toro they, they, a they, Best Picture. Well, look, they gave it to Peter Jackson. I know. So the geeks can rule again. Can they? Yeah, I think it can happen. 
Yeah, well, they can. And you really know the future, Chris. <laughs> and, and, and speaking of geeks ruling again, we just saw um, Cloverfield earlier this year. JJ Ames, if you're listening, it was great. Leave it alone. Sequels not needed. It's fine. Yeah, it, it was. Um, but refreshingly yeah. intimate, and I think a spoiler would ruin that. I know, but because you know, I've been a spoiler, hearing... a sequel, <laughs> a sequel. <laughs> it was also spoiler, a spoiler. There's a sequel. It, it, yeah, it was I, both. I've, I've been hearing things on the grapevine about this sort of online streaming movie services like. Netflix. I don't know what that's about. Or oh, well, know. in America, it's a mail service for delivering you DVDs <laughs> wow. in red envelopes. Well, look, maybe. Um, obviously, it's been a tough time in America. We have eight years of Bush. Maybe at the end of the year, President Clinton can help. You know, burgeon this growing industry. Um, I, I have actually been following this guy called Barack Obama. <laughs> I first saw him. No, seriously, I first saw him in 2006 on SBS, and they were saying that this guy could be the next president of the United States. On World News Australia at the end of I one mean, of their long hour long, uh, everyone is allowed to dream, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm tossing my head, my coin in that one. You know, if there is a yeah. slogan that might capture the essence, it is that anything is possible, right? Or yes, we can. Y- yes, we can. Yeah, I, I like that. You should use that. <laughs> we, it, well, a movie show. So we will be talking about movies for the coming years and years. But for the moment, we are speaking about Iron Man. Now, this is a big gamble for Marvel Studios because they have put all the money into two films: Iron Man and The Incredible Hulk, which is coming out later this year. Iron Man is the first. It is starring Robert Downey Jr. of Hearts and Souls, U.S. Marshals, and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Which yeah, he was he was very good in that recently. Yeah, that was uh, that was really almost like a big comeback role for him. Yeah, he's he might do well off this Iron Man, so because he's playing Tony Stark opposite Gwyneth Paltrow, who plays Pepper Potts, the character from the comics. You also have Jeff Bridges as Obadiah Jones, and this Obadiah is, Stain. Obadiah Stain, sorry, Obadiah <laughs> Stain, and this is an introduction to this universe. Now, Iron Man, he's not one of the biggest characters in the comic universe. Yeah, I feel like. You know, the the only Marvel comics I grew up hearing about as a not that into Marvel comics person was like Spider-Man, Wolverine, The Incredible Hulk, maybe a little bit of Captain America. And I feel like Marvel, you know, they've sold off the rights to all their big characters. So they're really having to scrape the bottom of the barrel in order to try and make their own movies. Um, but yeah, they, they don't want to leave that money off the table anymore. They They're trying to become their own movie studio and make all the money for themselves. I'm I'm look, I'm the other end of the spectrum. My favorite superheroes were Fantastic Four and like the Silver Surfer and those Okay, guys. I knew those guys. They really yeah. need to make a good Fantastic Four movie. I'm really yeah. holding out for that. I, I don't know it's gonna happen. The last last two were pretty bad. Yeah, yeah that the, was those, those are the terrible. Rise of the yeah. Silver Surfer. But, this what, is a lot better. This is a lot better. I was surprised by this. This is a film about an industrialist, Tony Stark, played Robert Downey Jr., who um, is captured on uh, when he is trying to sell weapons in Afghanistan, and he develops a prototype of the Iron Man suit, and he begins to question his role and his family's role in essentially a burgeoning uh, arms industry. There's a scene, I think, which char- which pretty well characterizes his figure where he says, when someone says to him, you're the Leonardo da Vinci of your time, he says, it's ridiculous, I don't paint. Um, then someone says, you're the merchant of death, and he says, yes, I, I like that more. But then as he starts to question it, I think the film becomes a lot more interesting. I know, I, I like the sort of uh, nice balance between a uh, humanistic side of uh, Tony Stark versus the very quippy, sarcastic side. I don't know if they're going to continue with this kind of balance, but we'll see. But it's also interesting to see. I, di- I hadn't imagined RDJ in this kind of avatar, so I think it was very refreshing for me to actually go back and see 
that this is something that he could do. In because s- I see him as the Chaplin kind of character, you know, very character actorish. In some ways, this is major stunt casting where, you know, there's lots of asides about how Tony Stark's a massive alcoholic. And uh, now, you know, we cast um, rehab uh, star Robert Downey Jr., you know, of... It's been, it's good. I like the casting, but they've been talking about some very major actors for this for a while. And I like that they got someone. This whole film feels a little bit out of left field. I hope they continue with this trend where but it's a little bit angsty, it's a little bit edgy. It, more it, than look, be it expected. is. It just is edgy to cast Robert Downey Jr. when you know he was in jail not that long ago, and his career has been sort of off the off the tracks. I guess until the recent resurgence with um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I know, but also at the same time, I will admit. Without Hold on, was he in jail? Robert or is that Downey just something Jr. fantastical um, that I've, that uh, I've I, I up? believe he was. There were there were there were issues regarding <laughs> um, substance abuse. I am yep. not sure uh, whether he was uh, what, what essentially was the treatment for this, but right. I know there was a long period in Hollywood where he was Probably not particularly active. He was in well, extreme you know. rehab, also known as jail. Why let facts get in the way of a good story, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. No, but yeah. no, but actually, you're right, Chris. Uh, if you take Robert Downey Jr. out of this movie. There's nothing much sustaining it. It's it's actually just him. It's mostly a showpiece case for his ability to go from cocky to surprisingly sensitive uh, in the next scene. And the, he pulls it off. The actors really make this film. The, I would say there's a, there's a sequence in the middle of this which is far and away better than anything else in the film and also probably f- better than anything else Marvel will make in the next 10 years. <laughs> the best scene they'll make in the next 10 years in my, if I were to predict the future. Big, big call here. Even, I know, yeah. What if they were to like get more superheroes together? Like, that would be pretty spectacular. Yeah, there's something, uh, the post-credit scene is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, spoilers. 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 The rules of film. Yeah, yeah but definitely stay to the yeah. end of this movie because it seems like there's something Marvel Look, might keep up. After the credits, there's a scene, sorry, not after the credits. Look, the, basically, there's a scene in the middle of this movie, the, the scene where Gwyneth Paltrow switched is out Robert Downey Jr., Tony Stark's arc reactor, and it, the, it's basically trading on the fantastic chemistry between these two actors, and the camera just stays on them for this entire shot, no cuts, and it's just physical comedy and char- and actors bouncing off each other, and it's really funny, um, and it, it feels really genuine. It doesn't have the kind of scripted, um, inhumane, rehearsed quality that... Um, a lot of, I think, what Marvel is going to produce, if this film is anything to go by, <laughs> I agree. will follow. It, it just feels real. It, I've wondered if it's improvised because I've heard a, quite a lot of this film was actually improvised. Yeah, because it, it's fantastic. I, I don't want. I feel like I think Marvel. I don't know whether it's going to be a risk or not, but might be Marvel might. You know, I don't know what Marvel thinks like, but they might go with the formula of using a lot of extensive cuts. Those you know, to and fro shots about I'm going to say something then you're going to say something and it's going to be all be, Yeah, editing. but this felt this felt like genuine like we were yeah. getting to watch two actors having fun with each other and yeah, it, it's enjoying very, bringing the story to life. Very old school in the way that very the old camera, school, yeah. camera is just held. Yes, exactly. You know, there's just one shot and people just get to act within the frame. There's, I have a couple of other complaints about this film if we have time. Um, yes, briefly. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Okay, the political angle of this movie is very strange. Um, it seems like it's wish fulfillment, I think, for America after having its ass handed to it in two Middle Eastern campaigns, where the movie tells us that rather than changing tact, all we need to do is just be better at the things we're doing now. If we had even better technology and an even more heroic savior figure, then everyone in Afghanistan would love us. No, actually, I think I, you're I wonder wrong. if that's going to play out. The debate's going to play out in Congress over the next. No, years. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, I think you're wrong because I will take the other side of the debate. I think what the movie says instead that America has to come out and admit that they were wrong. 
and actually take responsibility for their actions, which Tony Stark's right. character does in the end. That's a decent point, but nonetheless, he he basically but I wonder he's if still a massive military interventionist. He just has better weapons than what they you know. I I know, but them. I think that's just part of the fact that feeds the ego of either nations or individuals. Mm. You know, the metaphor is ripe for the taking. But I think here, what's more important is. Uh, this debate that started, I think, superhero movies are seen as very callous and not actually using your brain too much. But I right. think this movie allows you to actually on the subject that. of not using your brain too much. My God, the transition of a side character in this f- to the villain makes no sense at all. Yeah, I've got to completely say, completely stupid. Look, like, like it's just that you're forced to have a villain. So let's bend his character and the plot in ways that make no sense. Yeah, like, I think. Okay, dude, you just sabotaged your plan. Your entire plan was about creating a product, and then you go out and use it to to cause mayhem on the streets. No one will know it was me, even though I'm the only one who has access to this product that I'm about to roll out to make mil- hundreds of millions of dollars. It seems to me that they've taken the effort to cast not just any number of good actors, but a really, really? fantastic actor yeah. as a villain. And it's, it's okay. like they knew the role sucked, so they cast an amazing actor who just has so much charisma. And sometimes that works. Philip Seymour Hoffman in the recent Mission Impossible 3, so we heard J.J. Yeah. Abrams earlier. But this, I feel, they need to give the film a little more scope, especially with the ending, which is just a blustering big brouhaha of explosions. I feel yeah. there was no sense of didn't feel... scale or stakes or I agree anything. and it didn't feel fitting for such a I guess a smaller scale character driven action film that we've had before that also one last minor gripe is about how the Middle Eastern characters are portrayed in this movie which also seems like something American television hasn't been doing properly for I don't know how long uh, the characters here not even speak the correct language they speak Hindi and Urdu which is not even part of the Middle East it's part of <laughs> India and Pakistan and I could understand what they were saying and I'm like I shouldn't be able to because I don't even speak the language it should be Arabic or Pashto or any of those Middle Eastern languages so I'm like hang on it's just what the broad Durka Durkistan or something <laughs> yeah, <pretty much. laughs> the wonderful two American movie that came out a few years ago so that was Iron Man. It is in cinemas now. We'll be back in one moment. We're going to play you the number one song, which is on the charts now. And it is a lovely, wonderful new hit by, you guys know Hannah Montana from the Disney Channel? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Best this, of uh, both worlds. This is Miley Cyrus. See you again. See you And that was Miley Cyrus to see you again. Uh, we checked. The number one song is actually a song by Chris Brown, but we're not playing Chris Brown. That's not going to happen on this show. Uh, but we, what we will be talking about is the new film by the Wachowski siblings, Speed Racer. And I've got to say, we started the show. I want to talk about the significance of this. As Chris alluded to, we started the show in a year ago, in 2007. And one of the films we have always wanted to talk about, and Chris has always wanted to talk about, is we've itching to go for, is Speed Racer. And I'm so happy. I just happy. had an inkling about this movie. We're, we're finally getting to it. Yeah. Speed Racer, if you've ever watched the cartoon, it's basically exactly that. But if, but if you haven't watched the cartoon, it's about a kid called Speed Racer, hilariously enough. <laughs> roll, the, roll those credits. Yeah, from a, the Racer family. Um, who, uh, okay, his brother, Rex Racer, died in a car accident when in um, during a big race when he was little. And today he's reached the point where he's become as good as his brother was considered to be. Um, he's the great up-and-coming racer on the tracks. Meanwhile corporations want to buy him up and corrupt him 
and it's basically an anti-corporate treatise in uh, the guise of kids movie. And if you're comparing it with Iron Man and with Speed Racer, which has got the more potent political narrative, it's clearly yeah. Speed Racer, which I was not expecting, to be honest. Speed Racer, I think, feels very personal for the Wachowskis. Well, they've come off a few interesting films. They had The Matrix, which was just glorious, and they had two... Well, I didn't mind Matrix Reloaded, and then one absolutely Matrix terrible Matrix 3 sequel. Was, was terrible. Um, they did a lot of behind-the-scenes work on V for Vendetta, which I thought was a good film. I've heard they almost directed that, pretty much. Um I right. said they ghost directed it. Uh, similar situation to Spielberg on Poltergeist. Um, but uh, yeah, this I think is a return to the form of films like Bound and The First Matrix. But I'm, I'm just surprised why this film is not doing well. I, nobody's going to see it. Yeah, this film's this film's bombing. Even though I think it's the most satisfying. Um, popcorn film in a, a very long time. Well, it's visually, it's masterful. It's a great ride to see. Um, several of the action sequences are incredibly well staged. It's told in a comic book visual fun way. It's unpretentious mm. for a film of the scale and budget, so I enjoyed it for the element. But I think I might know what the issue with this film is, and that it's that unusual situation where so much has come together in terms of the direction and the CGI and the visual effects and the casting. John Goodman, Susan Sarandon, Matthew Fox from Lost. I hope they end that well. I'm enjoying that series. It's just been great. <laughs> Don't except, get your hopes up. <laughs> I won't. But Emil Hirsch, um, he is absolutely uninspiring in this role. I could not get into his character. I kept thinking, there's this new Star Trek coming out, Anton Yelchin, um, who's playing the uh, one of the characters on the on the helm. He's great. He would have been great in this bit of Emil Hirsch. I was sitting there thinking, you know, I get the predicament you're in, but I'm not that invested. And it's just because of him. His performance was not compelling or captivating. Talk, I think it was Talking about uh, Anton Yelchin, I wonder what's going to happen with him in the future. Oh, jeez. Oh, Fright Night. Oh, I'm looking forward. Yeah. Oh, I hope they make a Fright Night adaptation but, with him is what I mean to say. But yeah, Emil Hirsch, I agree that it, he's not the best actor they could have cast. But I think the very kind of simple, wide-eyed, innocent performance he put in worked. I, I agree, though. Yeah, it could have been better. Look, but on the other hand, though, everyone surrounding him, the actors playing oh, his great. family... Uh, amazing. Susan Sarandon and John Goodman yeah. are just so gay. From Roseanne. Yes. Um, uh, <laughs> that guy from Roseanne, indeed. I wonder if Roseanne is going to get a resurgence. Oh, uh, Royalton. But yeah, Roger Allen, who played the England Prevails guy in V for Vendetta yes. as the CEO. Man, <laughs> he's chewing up the scenery like nothing else, and I love it. He's having a bore, but yeah. I, I think he might actually... Might, I, we we may see films in the future where we have CEOs of big companies and right. CGI hellscapes playing this sort of character, and he set a good tone for it. But also, at the same time, I'm really, really happy about how this film uses CGI. It's not yes. really going overboard with that, and it's really clever and actually very ambitious in the way it uses technology. This is one of the few films that I think uses CG not just as a replacement for what we would have done in the past with practical effects, but to actually change the way that films are made. There's some incredible transitions that are made where the green screen backdrops morph between one scene to something else to smoothly transit jump across time or just when with the camera showing... without cutting away from a character. Or there's um, constantly wipes across the screen with faces seen from different angles. So as a way of moving in um, flashbacks or things going through the characters' minds freely in the middle of the chase. On top of this, that there's this incredible nonlinear editing that's jumping around in time, especially on two major race sequences in the beginning and middle of the film where the races are contextualized by what's happened surrounding them, or, char- or, in, or in the introductory sequences, characters are introduced as we see um, shots around them at the race course. Um, so despite all this really naughty editing, 
it's always coherent, which I think is an amazing achievement. Well, it's a really efficient way of storytelling because yeah. in these giant action films, you have usually it's just some character sitting in the stands, it's a cutting, but that actually takes away from being in the action. And the action in this film is so frenetic itself. It is so involving. And they revel in it. It's not perfect CGI, make it better in years to come, but they revel in the limitations which they have. And yes. You accept it. And the, the, the action choreography in this is incredible. You can always see what's going on, despite the fact the race is being incredible fast-paced and chaotic by design the sense of speed this movie creates is amazing um it's so visually eye-popping if i have a criticism to make it would be that the scenes of speed races home life or the aesthetic isn't quite as developed as the rest of the movie and it gets a little bit ugly but the rest of the time it is just beautiful to behold in a sickly candy-colored way but also at the same time just using that manga aesthetic and translating that onto screen for a totally different audience it's very difficult to do and i really really commend the Wachowski siblings to actually have done that and still translate that cultural context in a way that makes sense and really translates really well on screen. Absolutely. I think this is one of the best translations of a comic type art style. It's a, a I think more successful than Warren Beatty's Dick Tracy, which might have been the, the gold standard for this kind of filmmaking in the past. I've heard Scott Pilgrim's going to come out soon. That might yeah, be interesting. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Edgar Wright's a very, very talented director. But... Um, if I have a theory as to why this film isn't being so well received, I'd say it's because we're in an age where irony rolls. Look at Iron Man's irony, for example. More like but, Irony Man. Exactly. It doesn't get worse. But, hey, um, Mr. Wallace, please just don't watch films right now. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the... Despite the the massive, um, yeah, we live in an age of massive irony. But this movie is so sincere. I think the, okay, I think the family. Uh, emotional backdrop to this movie is really pure and actually moving and the movie manages to be actually emotionally affecting um but i I don't think that's what people want right now something that's so lacking in coolness something that that's so pure Speaking of things that are lacking in coolness, um, we will be coming back in a moment to speak about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That was Speed Racer. We strongly encourage you to check it out in the movies or on some other streaming platform, which is may or may not be available where you are. This is, and please stay, as with Iron Man, for the end credits of Speed Racer, because they really are something. Speed Racer. We are back and we are talking about our last film, which is in cinema shortly. Our most anticipated. Definitely our most anticipated film, which is the fourth entry in the Indiana Jones saga, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It is starring, of course, Harrison Ford as Indy after an 18-year hiatus. This is set not in the 30s, but in the 1950s, mostly in the US and else. 
it is starring as well Shia LaBeouf of Transformers fame. Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. What are you? What are you yeah, saying well, what, about what, it? What? Why? Why is he a cannibal? I mean, he's a decent actor. He was in you know Transformers. Eagle Eye looks good. He was maybe in not, even Stevens. Maybe an underrated film. He was in Freaks and Geeks. You know that? Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that was that was a good series. Also, Kate Blanchett, uh, Australia's own Kate Blanchett, as a Russian colonel uh, with a terrible, terrible accent, yeah. but with amazing wigs. And John Hurt, and a, and a surprise character Ray from Indy's past. Oh, and oh yeah, playing a I don't even know what he yeah. was playing. No one knows. He doesn't even know what he was doing there. A, a double agent of a double agent of a double agent of a double agent. It was very silly and trick show, Indy. As was yeah. this entire film. What did I, we think? I was excited for this movie. I'm an Indiana Jones fan. I watched the film as a kid. Was a big fan of Temple of Doom, but I loved the others. And this was an appalling, appalling trashing of a wonderful legacy. And it, it signals in the very opening instances of this film, which is a Cold War thriller of sorts, when they introduce CGI gophers for absolutely no reason. And this is followed up <laughs> by a unnecessary revisit to a classic element, which almost, not quite, but almost ruins an element of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then you have, there are several terrible sequences with vines and with monkeys and with an anthill and with everything Cape Blanchett. And, but worst... And worst of all, I don't, I don't know if this is a spoiler, there is a sequence involving a fridge. Yeah, okay. The, this is one of the best oh, sequences this of was the one movie. One of the best sequences this was in the movie. Terrible. This was terrible. This was a disgrace. All right. I think the movie is fine. Like it's, <laughs> wow. <laughs> like it's, it's, I, I have fun watching it. Some of the things you complain about are valid complaints, like the gophers, but other things like the anthill, I think, what was wrong with that? It was a it was a creative set piece for an Indiana Jones style And honestly, wines okay. and monkeys and anthills monkey, have always been part of the franchise. Although the monkey stuff, the way they used the monkeys and the vines in this movie, I think was pretty stupid. I'll give you that. But in the, it's in the midst of a genu- generally satisfying and well-put-together action sequence, so it's only a minor... And, and just pure from, from an idea's perspective of how many things they throw in the wall, just thinking how much they're going to stick, it's pretty, I mean, there's a lot happening in this movie, and I was struggling to keep up at times. Okay, this was a satisfying action sequence, but it was a satisfying action sequence the first time I saw this. I saw this in The Mummy seven years ago, and the problem was The Mummy, Tomb Raider, these are films that were based on Indiana Jones, and now they're coming back and ripping off these movies. It's derivative, it's awful. The sequence later, where they go into what is essentially a tomb, that was in the first Tomb Raider movie, that where the, the first sequence with Ian Glenn, where they recover the first half of the triangle. I've seen this all before. I don't know why I'm watching this. I couldn't believe it's Steven Spielberg. He is the master of creative fun originality. What was he doing here? I wonder if they're going to remake Tomb Raider again. Oh. And you might get to see all of this again and all over again. I hope okay. so. There's there's a few things about this movie that I really appreciate, especially watching it as a time traveler from 10 years in the future. I really <laughs> like how everyone complains about the CG in this movie, but watching it now, it's a beautiful production in terms of the sets and design. There's a lot of physical stuff in this movie that looks great, um, and that's dated pretty well, uh, in my opinion. Um, I thought, yeah, the camera work is is really good, as always, from Steven Spielberg, but not particularly inspiring. Um, from what I remember solid. from Spielberg's commentary, they specifically did not try to do that sort of computerized CG effects, and they kept that sort of B-movie style of getting actors to do their own scenes and actually work on the stunts because they're not using stunt doubles in that sense to give that effect that it is of the 50s and that kind right, of retro right. feel. Is the DVD commentary already out? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked how the movie isn't constantly <laughs> trying to make you laugh. 
um, it sort of settles into this register that not many films do these days, which is just light entertainment. Um, but basically, it's forgettable. I enjoy the movie as I watch it, apart from a few moments that are bad, like the monkey swinging and the CG gophers. <laughs> and the sword fight. The sword fight I thought was fun. Like, yeah, it's not great. It, it, it's, it's like, it's all right. I like that Charles Lovelock can defy the laws of physics, not one, but now many films. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, it's it's very slight. You don't think much about it afterwards. It was interesting when you were talking about Spielberg being the master of, you know, this sort of fun creativity. But, you know, to me, Speed Racer has so much more of a sense of fun because it's creative in the way it's put together. It's a much in, better film. Yeah, Indiana Jones is rehashing old ways of filmmaking and old styles. And to me, being fun should come with a bit of fleet-footedness and creativity, new ideas, of experimentation. The t- that's, that's the spirit of fun. Of the three films uh, I saw this time travel week uh, I think uh, from the, if I were to rank them I would rank them number one Speed Racer number two Indy and number three Iron Man I agree with that actually yeah oh interesting I, I, I would say Iron Man was probably my favourite by pure virtue of the main casting in Speed Racer but uh, we will be surely reviewing the other Marvel films if there are to be some in years to come and if Harrison Ford does decide to revisit some of his old franchises I don't know I mean what's Blade next Runner, Star, Star Wars yeah, I don't know could, but, could happen. okay The Fridge the fridge was terrible. Where do we stand on the fridge? I think the fridge is the best thing in this movie because it's so dumb, it becomes amazing. I agree. It, 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 defies, it, it goes beyond defying the laws of physics that were even established in the crazy early Indiana Jones movies. No one could survive it. Does. Why no one can survive it. Is Why are we talking moment. laws of physics it's in so, Indiana look, Jones? It's so stupid, but it's a well-put-together sequence, and it for me, it was so stupid that it looped back around to become amazing again. Yeah. Like, but also, where like, where you else know, am I going to see a person it, it, survive a, a nuclear explosion show... by climbing into a fridge? Yes, yeah. It's a beautiful way to show that you you can suspend disbelief because after that sequence you know anything that happens after that you're not supposed to believe it the way that he looks at the lead lined thing so that gives us enough to suspend our disbelief like oh you can survive that sure there's lead in the fridge I love it <laughs> yes to give you an idea of the believability and like the standards they've put into this film um, that was our 2008 reviews if you would like us to review a particular year or series of films retrospectively please let us know we will be back in 10 years and one week with more coverage of festival seasons and the city film festival just like coming soon get your tickets yeah and Tully maybe and Tully maybe oh, Deadpool who, who? I don't know Deborah Cody is she doing more films yeah I hope yeah. they're better than Juno